0: Welcome to Chatting with Chemeketa, the show where we talk about everything related to the college, whether you're someone considering coming to Chemeketa or a current student, an alum, a member of the community, or maybe you're part of our local business and industry, we've got you covered. I'm Jessica Howard, president of Chemeketa Community College, and joining me is my co-host Les Wilgus. Hey, Les.
1: (laughs) Hi, Jessica. You are such a fine co-host, best I've ever had.
0: I, I bet you say that to everyone, like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So, have you ever wondered how to get money for college that you never have to pay back? Well, you definitely want to turn up the volume now. From the Schmecker Foundation, I'd like to welcome Ottilia Morales and Jamie Wenigman.
2: Thank so you much so, so much for having us. us. We're Thanks excited for joining to us. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Great to have yeah. you here, Jamie and Otilia,
0: You work in The Chemeketa Foundation. So this sounds like something that maybe folks would think they know about because it's got the
2: word Chemeketa in it, but how does the foundation relate to the college? Yeah, that's a great question. Many folks don't know that the college has their own 501c3, the Chemeketa Foundation, and really we exist to support students and programs here at the college. So whether you are a student looking for resources to come to school and be successful, or you are a local organization who wants to donate equipment to help better prepare the students for the next generation and getting out of school, We've, we've got you covered. You can come to us and we'll help you, help you figure out what you need to do.
0: When did the foundation actually get started?
2: It was actually established in 1973. Essentially, just a small group of community members wanted to come together and figure out a way to support student parents who wanted to change their lives and come back to school. So it's been really incredible to be able to go from a small group of folks looking to provide loans to students to now evolving 50 years later we've got over hundred and forty scholarships and assistance funds that help students be successful and it's money that does not have to be paid back these are all scholarships that can help students be successful in their career without having to worry about the additional debt that they may need to take on to change their circumstance.
0: And do Jamie do people when they set up these scholarships Do they do them sometimes
2: in the name of someone else, like a grandmother or a parent or something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Those are some of my favorite scholarships to work with. And Very often, we have either legacy scholarships or memorial scholarships where you've taken something tragic or even just sad and you're grieving and looking for a way to be able to honor that person's legacy by creating something that will last something that will really help students make something of their lives and be able to change their circumstances and it's a very beautiful way for family to still be connected to that person's memory. And it's always very heartwarming when those folks have a chance to meet their scholarship recipients. And it can be so cathartic and just and beautiful to just have another tie into building that legacy.
1: I know, I know you may not have the breakdown, but just so like a guess, what's, what would be a percentage that would come from private versus corporate or, you know, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, most of our grants come from community members. So a lot of it really is about local donors. We have a lot of college employees who give to the college. Many, in fact, have gotten together offering small amounts each month. So maybe there's 10 faculty who want to support a scholarship at $10 a month. That supports an entire student for the year. So it's very exciting that we have that ability to build up from a lot of small donors. And the vast majority come from individuals, local community organizations like rotaries. Garden clubs, auto clubs, who really just want to give back to students that are chasing similar passions to them. And not a large percentage of our funding come from grants and sponsorship. So it really is about connecting with donors and connecting them to the students that they're serving, which is very exciting. So some of this kind of
0: cause-focused donation. When folks are giving money to the foundation, what they're doing is they're giving money to help students in a particular way that need that kind of support and resource in order to be able to pursue their life stream, right? Exactly. And so I
2: assume that there are different kinds of causes that resonate with different kinds of donors. Absolutely. So a lot of our scholarships can be focused on program specific. So like I said, sometimes folks are really passionate about helping students who are going into the auto industry, so they might focus on that. But we've also really been able to expand out our reach to try to find students who have really worthy causes that aren't always thought about. For instance, we've got scholarships that are just for students who have had to face obstacles to come to school. We've got opportunities to support students who are food insecure, students who have emergency financial need. One of our students was a scholarship recipient. She was able to be supported through our Student Relief Fund, which offers a few different ways to support students, two of which the on-campus food pantry to provide food for food insecure students and their families. Last year we were able to support 1,200 students through that alone, um, (laughs) which is just, um, it's a very vital need and part of student success, certainly. The other part of that is that it provides emergency financial assistance when students are facing some kind of unforeseen emergency. So this student in particular had left an abusive relationship, she was living in her car. She didn't bring much with her. She left in quite a hurry, and we needed to figure out how best to not only provide her with food and support for those necessities, but also a way to get back into an apartment so that she could be successful in her college career.
0: Well, and I know from a study that we had arranged for among all the 17 community colleges, including Chemeketa, A couple of years ago, was around housing and food insecurity, and Chemeketa tracks with the state average in that 65% of our students identify as being housing or food insecure in the last year or so and that is an incredibly high percentage. And so a lot of folks, when they think about the college student, they don't think about the student who maybe hasn't eaten since yesterday morning because these are folks who have found it within them to better themselves and are really applying themselves in a way that seems not like getting from day to day but really thinking about the future. To kind of marry that goal with some of these realities and then to know that we've got this kind of funding specifically to help shore up whatever the gap might be is really really amazing yeah
2: it's really exciting to be a part of that and our board has really pushed as well to make sure that not only are we focused on our bread and butter of scholarships but really trying to provide some of those wraparound services to make sure that a student has more than just tuition and fees available to them so I think it's really nice we've been able to go from closer to ten thousand in award funds for student relief to this last year we awarded over sixty thousand dollars out to students and food pantry support so we're really seeing that the need has grown especially since the pandemic has hit. And it's really wonderful for us to be able to continue focusing on those needs because those are very much a reality still for our students. So it's very inspiring to be able to continue on in supporting students that way.
1: When you mentioned woman who was in a car, how do you find somebody like that? How do you dig that out of people?
2: Great question. Honestly, not many folks know that the foundation exists or really what all of the things that we provide are. So that goes doubly for students. They are coming into college, they don't know that there's these resources available. We do our best to try to get in front of them and say, if you need help, reach out. The conversations that we have with faculty and staff are, you are far more likely to be approached by students who have need than we are. We very very seldom have students wandering into our Mm, office knowing Mm. what they need to ask for, and instead it's a student connecting with their instructor to say, I don't know that I can get my assignment in on this time. I just had a loss in the family. Or my husband just lost their job, and now I don't know if I can continue with school. Or reaching out to a counselor. So really a lot of that is referral to us, and then we are able to direct students to figure out the best way to find them the resources that they need.
0: And how many students typically apply for scholarships? Telia,
3: is that something you know, I'm sure? Yes, we usually get an average of 1,600 per year and we usually award four to 500 recipients each year. The scholarships range from 300 to up to 6,000, which is a very nice amount, because that's like 2,000 each term, which will help a student a lot. The scholarship roughly covers about one-third of a full-time student's tuition and fees for the year.
2: Yeah, and we're very excited that we're seeing that a lot more donors are coming at it with a lens of, I know that a student needs more than just tuition and fee support. So we're actually seeing quite a few donors coming through who want to offer larger award amounts because we're seeing that if we are able to grant larger award amounts, they're able to make a better impact on the student. For instance, we've got students who are working two to three jobs while going to school full time. And if a scholarship can help them to be able to even quit one of those jobs or cut back on their hours, they're really able to dedicate a lot more time to focusing on school and completing their educational goal.
0: So how does a student become aware of the scholarships and apply for them and all those things?
2: Each year we reach out to students and do a lot of information through our recruitment folks to make sure that students are being connected with local high schools so that they know that these opportunities are available. And then we do a lot of outreach here on campus for to connect with returning students as well. Oftentimes we walk the halls and students don't necessarily think that they qualify for scholarships and we have to inform them and let them know that we're not just looking for students with a 4.0 GPA who have all of the extracurriculars, all of those things that they've been taught really matter for scholarships. So many more of ours are focused on financial need. So really, it's about do you need money for school? if so apply it's one application so students do not need to be applying for each individual scholarship instead they're able to just put in their information and we filter them into the ones that they qualify for
3: we're currently accepting applications right now through april 15th how we reach out to students also is We have scholarship workshops, virtual, as well as go out to the classrooms, to the outreach campuses, as well as the community, and get the word out about the scholarship.
1: They said uh, the April 15th, so that would be for the next academic year, so when it's starting in September. Yeah, right. the, yeah okay.
3: the scholarship we're offering right now is for next academic year, which starts in September, and so the work gets divided between fall, winter, and spring. Oh, Some, okay. mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. S- students uh, want to attend summer, and if they're selected for the scholarship, they can ask to receive it for all four terms, or summer, fall, and winter, if that's when they need it. Okay. How long does it take a
0: student to complete the application, do you think?
3: It's really a simple application, especially with the new system we have we launched this year it takes less than 30 minutes it's one page just answer the questions that apply and it takes about less than 30 minutes i think sometimes students think that uh get intimidated because it requires two essays the goals and the experience but it's uh up to 300 words so it's not very long and it's just pretty much tell the story by filling out that
0: one page application does that allow you to then be considered for lots and lots of scholarships, and what happens if you don't make the cut the first time? Yeah, that's a
3: great question. First of all, the students that get selected for a scholarship will receive an email at their MyShameketa. So they need to keep checking it weekly, and it's going to give them a link to the scholarship opportunities dashboard, which will give them information about the scholarship as well as how to accept it. Those students who do not get selected the first round, they need to continue checking it. And the reason being is we get funds available throughout the year, and their application is reconsidered for scholarships. Just the one application
0: will kind of put you in consideration for the whole uh, the whole process. And then when you say that they should be continuing to check My, ch- my Chemeketa, you mean the My Chemeketa email? Yes.
3: That's okay. sure. yes. right. Yeah. Yes. No, definitely. just making
2: sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's really important to be checking it throughout the year. We often have scholarships to reoffer each term. So it's really helpful that for students to be doing that. Um, we also like to say that if students are often really overwhelmed about where to find scholarships, the best opportunity, if you know you're coming to Chemeketa, is to apply here since it's a one in four chance and it's all local funds. They're not competing with students all over the country. Well,
0: wow, this is great information. You know, foundation scholarships are so impactful. And I know there are probably a lot of questions our listeners still have. So if you want to know more, please email us at chatter And we'll answer your questions through email or on an upcoming show. So I want to remind everyone listening today that if you plan to attend Chemeketa this coming academic year, that you should apply for a scholarship at go.chemeketa.edu slash scholarship. The application closes April 15th, so apply today. And thank you so much, Jamie and Ottilia, for joining us to share all this amazing information with everybody out there.
1: And allowing us the opportunity to listen.
2: Thank you so much. It's thank great to be so able much. to spread the word out to a larger audience. So yes, thank, thank you so, you much. so much, Jessica. Lass.
1: All right, at this point, we're gonna take a break, and uh, be back in 30 seconds with our second half of the show which will be Shimekita's pharmacy technician program. So be back soon.
2: Don't let the unstable economy stop you. Get the training you need now. Shimekita Community College offers more than 90 degree and certificate programs. If you prefer online, remote, or hybrid classes, Shimekita also continues to offer courses in every modality to ensure flexibility for e students. Financial aid and scholarships are available. Start your future today by visiting go.chemeketa.edu apply.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to Chatting with Chemeketa. Les and I would like to welcome our new guest, Cheryl Buckholtz, to the show.
4: Thank you for inviting me, Jessica and Les. This is a great opportunity to promote the Pharmacy Technician Program.
1: All right. Well, yeah, thanks for uh, joining us. I've been checking on the Schmeckler website, and uh, I came across the Pharmacy Tech Program. And it sounds interesting to me, so I'd like to see what you, being the expert on this program, and you can tell us everything there is to know. Kind of veering off from the script here, What maybe just for my own sake, you can explain what's the difference between a Pharmacy Tech versus a Pharmacist?
4: About seven years of education.
1: That's it. Okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Pharmacists go hey, a lot longer to school. I'm,
1: I'm, um, maybe just not school, but what do they do? What does a pharmacist, pharmacy tech Well,
4: a do? pharmacist oh, oversees the pharmacy technicians. And the pharmacy technicians, uh, they do all kinds of things, except they cannot counsel patients on medication. Because they go nine months to school and they learn a ton, but in order to talk to the patient and explain to them how medications work and they in the systemic system, you've got to have more education, and you've got to pass certain national
1: boards. That sounds good. Okay. Okay, so. you answer my question. okay, you can go good. On with... Uh... Yeah, the program. So,
0: so Cheryl, if I go into my local pharmacy and I go up to the counter, is it likely that there'll be at least one pharmacist and at least one pharmacy tech in there? I mean, are those the folks that are sort of making up the, you know, the the other side of the counter, so to speak?
4: Yes. Okay. Uh, You cannot operate a pharmacy without a pharmacist on duty. And the pharmacy tech will be probably the one that takes your prescription, goes and back and puts it in for filling, then comes out and brings you your prescription. But the pharmacist oversees all that and makes sure that the prescription is filled correctly.
0: Well, you know, I think it's so exciting that this sort of area of health care, which is incredibly important, is something that we can help individuals get into with a program that is not seven years long. And so I would ask you... You know, this is a short-term program. It's, that's an exciting thing to say. Can you tell us what that means?
4: Well, it's three terms, nine months. And, uh, the school calls it one year, but it's really only nine months. And it's fall, winter, spring. And the first two terms, you do your didactics or your book learning. You learn how to work in a lab for both retail and hospital Uh, We have both things going, and you learn how to work with syringes and needles and IV bags. And if you've ever seen anybody in a hospital and visited somebody in a hospital, they usually have an IV bag attached to them, and the pharmacy tech is responsible for making that IV bag. But again, the pharmacist oversees all of it. The third term, we go out on externships. And these externships, we have a lot of contracts with different pharmacies retail and hospital and infusion care and then the student goes out and actually puts into practice what they've learned and uh it's it's quite an exciting time for them they 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 all, they're very nervous when they first start out, and it's fun to watch. They're just fun <laughs> to watch them. But uh, it, I can imagine because it's like, I'm scared to be here today. It's the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when they get into the externship, that's in the third term. That's the third term. So are they, so is this school or is this work? or is this both? Well, it's an externship, and it's, it's work to see how they have developed and, f- and learned their skills. Uh, in the first two terms, there. Yeah,
1: I'm sorry, I just learned a new word: <laughs> externship versus intern.
4: Well, externships is what Am they I call. Right? Yeah, that's true. They right. call it externships. They don't, they can't be paid, although they serve about 209 hours out in the externship uh, realm of it. And but then many of them are offered jobs, and once they finish that, they can be hired right away and uh, and be paid at that point on.
0: So the company that's providing the externship might even be the company that hires the student
4: is that right Yes yes and many of my students have been Wow I, I I have several that it's like a record I have two students that were offered in three days they were offered a job oh my <laughs> so because they knew that they were <laughs> totally prepared to be a pharmacy technician but they could not be paid they Once the externship was over, then they could discuss the being working for that particular organization.
0: So it sounds like this is a really viable career option. And then are there shortages of pharmacy techs in our region?
4: I looked up Indeed, just Indeed the other day, and in Portland, there's like 400 job offers. Good heavens. In this area, it's about 50 to 100 right now. Last week, it was 160. So they filled some of the positions. But it, there is a huge demand for pharmacy technicians.
1: That sounds like a lot. I mean, so how many? Let's say I'm just want to do some math here. I like math, you know. So how many pharmacies are there in the area?
4: Just guess. I have no idea. <laughs> take, <think of> <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you should come up here. No, I mean, let's take a wild guess. Let's say fifty. <laughs> well, I don't when know, you think 40. about it, you've got
4: Walmart, Walgreens, Walmart, yeah. Rite Aid, got Safeway, yeah, all, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of them, you, right? I'm just curious. Why how don't many you there go were. look that up and tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Less, yes, I think you just I found the
1: project. I um, I'm <laughs> just trying to think. Assignment. I'm just trying to think of how many per you know pharmacy are they short on you know that kind of thing. Well, but, um, I yeah, it sounds like several.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. I just got a call from Newport. The hospital down there is looking for. Somebody to come down there, move down there, and I almost took them up on
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> on but you tack. had a radio show to do, so, you know. <laughs> hey, so
4: you couldn't do that, Cheryl. No, this is
2: how we hang on to our uh, valuable teaching. <laughs>
0: That's, of, uh, right. That's right. So what, what do these jobs pay? They play... Do they pay pretty well? Uh, yes. Do you, do you
1: have my notes here? Yeah. I was going <laughs> to ask that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, let Roughly me see. Yeah. I wrote it down. I looked it up to see where we were at on pay. And Portland is paying anywhere from $35 to $51,000 a year, which is pretty decent wage for a 9-month program. I'll say. Yeah. Kaiser Permanente pays 29.78 per hour, and there's a job opening in Hawaii. I'm thinking about that one too. Cheryl, you can't look at that job. You know this. <laughs> it has to be
1: like double the pay, though, for to to afford to live there.
4: <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. The U.S. veterans they're paying about twenty-seven sixty-five an hour to start, and so it's a decent decent wage you know decent wage to for the students that's going 9 months to a program get a job and they can and then that's just starting then they can move up the ladder so how does being a pharmacy tech open up other career doors well they have uh can you hang on a minute <laughs> <laughs> of course I can.
1: We'll just sing a song in the meantime. Career
4: yeah. ladders. You know, you can become mail order. I've had many of my students that want to be in the nursing program come through my program just to learn the medications. Because what's the one thing that intertwines all of health care? Medications, and so they learn their medications, and then they go on to another career. They don't want to be a tech, but they want to go on to a different career. So they come through the program. It is a base, raw, you know, it's the bottom level that you can just step on and work your way up. And I've had a lot of students do that. I have one student that went to one to a hospital that had uh, the pharmacy technician program, but he had a very good background in IT work. He ended up making over $100,000 a year because of that. Because of num- he knew the medications and he knew IT. So that was just one of the representatives. Then there was another yeah. one, one of my students, that he actually uh, wor- wor- worked for a hospital. He ended up being an inventory specialist. Again, over $100,000 a year because he knew medications and he was a farm tech.
0: So, yeah. Cheryl, when should students apply the application the
4: opens up the middle of this month, March, and they are taking them through May 30th, I believe. Uh, sometimes we extend it out a little bit uh, for students that can't quite get back here to uh, apply, but once they uh, they met, let me know that they want to apply, then we work with them.
0: Wow. I just I can't believe how far you can go with only nine months of training yeah. and that so many of the students are already... You know in the industry because of that externship by the time that they they complete so so here's a question that's suitable I think for our um, modern times are the classes themselves all in person.
4: Okay, I was just about to announce that <laughs> to tell you that. All right. Well, we got some hybrid, and we got online. We, we meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays for about three hours a day, so we can do lab work, we can work with IVs, and we can work with retail uh, making patient profiles, and the rest of the time it's online, so it's pretty convenient for the, uh, for the student.
1: When you say work with IVs, that means... Needles in, and syringes, and in, mean, no, we don't stick inserting, each other. <laughs> no inserting. <laughs> no each other. You know? No, not each okay, other. Right. No,
4: but what we do is we take the IV bag and we insert a medication into it, and they have to demonstrate to me that they have done, that they're capable of doing that.
0: Cheryl, is this a program that uh, you have to have a high school credential to enter into? Or a GED or a GED. Yes. okay.
4: And the one thing is you have to, according to the Oregon Board of Pharmacy, you have to be eighteen in order to operate as a tech. And uh, we send in for their licenses. Uh, They can get their non-renewable license that they can uh, that has to be posted in the pharmacy because when they go out on an externship, they got to have that license posted or the pharmacy can be charged like $5,000 in fines.
0: Wow. Is there a certification test or how do we know that the, that the individual is, is ready to
4: go out in the industry? There are national boards that they need to take and that's the end of the third term. While they've gone through their externships, I send them out to take their national boards and hopefully they pass. That's fantastic.
1: I'm sure your students all pass, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I wish <laughs> not all, not all.
4: But by the time the second time around, they do. A lot of them that go out when they take their national boards are very nervous to take them, and it's uh, it can be really s- stressful for them. And they then they walk away from that test knowing what they did wrong, and they go back and they take it again.
1: Now, I was just saying, so you can retake it, and you know, it's a certain period of time before. Yes, you, you have it. to wait
4: 60 days.
1: Okay.
0: So do you know what our pass rate percentage is, typically?
4: Uh, Usually between 75 and 85%. The national average is about 71%. Well, good. We're we're beating the odds. We're (laughs) above the average. That's Chemeketa for you. There you go. I'm pushing for 100%. (laughs) Well, but it
0: sounds like with that opportunity to retest, that's extremely successful. Because I know test anxiety is a real thing. Yes, it is. is. Well, what an amazing program. And you know... Healthcare is one of those sectors that is, without a doubt, is growing uh, as we you know contemplate the future. And so it seems like pharmacy techs are something that are gonna that, that are gonna be viable and needed for a long time.
4: Something else to mention, we have a high school program running. We have contracts with Salem Kaiser and Santiam school districts. And they, it's it's for seniors in high school if they want to try and get some of the classes under their belt to move on and to become a pharmacy tech.
0: So do they come to us after they graduate then to complete?
4: That's the idea. We're, we're just now, in the last two or three years, we've been getting it motivated and moving. And I think it's looking promising.
0: And do those students take uh, courses uh, online or are they doing... No, they, the... come here, okay. they come here. Okay. They come here. Well, that sounds incredibly exciting.
4: <laughs> yes. No, we're real excited about it.
0: Well, as long as everyone here on this podcast does not go out right now and uh, and get into this program, I think we'll be able to continue the podcast. But uh, <laughs> it sounds so viable and attractive. Uh, you just don't know what you may have started here, Cheryl.
4: Okay. I hope so. <laughs> well,
0: listen, I, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to have heard about this program, Cheryl, and that students can complete it in nine months. I want to encourage any listeners who are interested in the program to go check out our site that will give you the information on this, and that is go.chemeketa.edu pharmacy. So thank you, Cheryl, for joining us today. Thank you, Les. It's just wonderful to know that these programs are available for the community and just really appreciate you being here.
4: Thank you, Jessica and Les, for allowing us to, you know, report on our program. And hopefully people out there hear, hear this, and I hope they pay attention and come see me.
0: Well, and if anyone out there has any questions about anything we talked about today, please email us at chatter at You can also send us comments about the show or suggestions for future topics. So again, that email address is chatter at
1: and I have learned so much. I really have. I mean, it's, it's interesting to know, like, the even, like, the, I guess, a career path kind of thing. It's you know, a great career yeah. path. Yeah.
0: Incredibly wonderful to hear about. And I've learned a lot, too, today. It's... Um, You know, this is just one of our 90-plus career and technical education programs. That, along with our academic transfer programs, not to mention our services and our community outreach, you're going to be learning a lot of good things for a long time, uh, Les, on our show. And just want to thank all you listeners for tuning in. For chatting with Chemeketa, I'm Jessica Howard.
1: And I'm Les Wilgus.
0: And we hope you'll tune in again next time. Bye. Bye!